Welcome to Flutter Spaces. The date is February 14th, Valentine's Day. We'll go ahead and get things started here in the hopes that the algorithm picks us up. Ray, how are you doing today? Oh man, I'm super overworked <laughs> uh, and a bit tired and a little sick. Uh, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. What are you working on? Uh, there's a lot of, uh, just a lot of publishing tasks going on and a lot of development tasks going on. Uh, also, uh, there's, uh, so at Codelessly, uh, we're trying to, uh, you know, clean things up, polish things up, um, and really get it out there and start commercializing and monetizing. Well, good. Monetization is the way to go. I see that uh, Globe and Invertase have joined. Globe uh, is, I believe, the the I don't know if it's Edge function or the function runner by Invertase. Um, by the way, to Globe and Invertase, I don't know if you're the same user or separate users. You're more than welcome to request uh, to speak. Um, hope we're hoping that a few more people will show up here so we can have more of a conversation. I see that Bomic is here. Welcome back. And uh, so I, I put a tweet out asking, hey, what do you guys want to talk about this week? And I think the only response that we got was Dart on the server. So I would, went with that topic by default. There are a few known options, uh, Globe being a new one. Uh, I invited the creator of ServerPod to join us, though I have no idea what time it is in his time zone. Uh, so we'll see if, if he shows up. Of course, we've always had Shelf as a package. Let's see. Sorry, let me give permission for Globe to speak. Globe, you now should be, uh, you should have privileges to speak. So if you'd like to jump in at any time, feel free. Uh, but again, going through the inventory shelf is kind of a kind of a lower level Dart package for HTTP communication. We have uh, Dart Frog, which is an offering. It seems like more or less a RESTful based offering from VGV. We have ServerPod, which is a rather large scale, sophisticated uh, salute, you know, web solution that runs primarily on Amazon Web Services, but I think they're expanding that to more. Uh, Globe, and I think what's there, Ray, there's a company in Y Combinator right now, right? Like Celeste or something like that? Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. And we often have their uh, founders here um, in our spaces as well. So if they show up today, uh, they can. They would be very well suited, probably, to jump into this conversation. Okay, great. And uh, who who do we have on the Globe account? Can you give us your name? Uh, hi, yeah, it's Mike from Invitase. Um, Mike Diamond on Twitter. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thanks good. for having me. For sure. Mike, would you like to talk a little bit about what Globe is and uh, perhaps where it is right now and where you're hoping to take it in the future? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I guess start with the what, what is Globe. Um, 
we kind of see Globe as um, solving one of the, the problems that in the, the the dark backend ecosystem, you know, you have all, all these people trying to solve problems, um, you know, such as, oh, let's build an ORM, but there's like 20 of them already. Let's build a framework for, I don't know, HTTP servers. There's another 20 of them as well. So, you know, when we started looking at the dark ecosystem, we started with a framework and we're like, okay, we're just reinventing what everyone else has done across these 20 frameworks. So let's try and solve a more bare bones problem um, and focus more on the technical challenges of, you know, deploying or hosting or running uh, whatever terminology you want to use, a Dart backend or a Flutter web project, for example. And that, that's what Globe is. It's, it's a deployment platform for these kinds of projects. And initially, yes, it's a deployment platform, but we're also working on, you know, kind of service services that you can bind to your, your Dart and your Flutter applications like uh, key value storage, um, normal storage for files, um, cron jobs, tasks, these kind of things. Um, so currently, yes, we have deployments. Uh, we have a global edge network at something like 300-plus locations with 50-something compute regions. Um, so we can basically distribute your, your data application with a single command around the world within, like, t two minutes, basically. Um, and I guess the, the strongest comparison, if you're familiar with the JavaScript ecosystem, is Vercel. We're, we're trying to be, like, Vercel but for Dart, but not trying to be like Vassal for Dart, if you get my drift. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of what it is. Uh, where we're at is we've done, you know, we, we support deployments, you know, Flutter Web, and we do some kind of smart caching and asset hashing with Flutter Web. Um, so it's kind of faster than any other provider um, because we, we kind of hash your build assets so they can be cached by our edge caching plus the client caching, uh, even without a service worker, for example. So, what are um, what are some examples of the kinds of things that people are are deploying with your system? You give specific examples, or if there's like a canonical example, just to help frame everyone's perspective as to you know who is deploying what kinds of things with your system at this point yeah yeah so it's very early so we're still in you know public alpha um there's no there's no billing or anything like that it's, it's just the free plan only so we kind of have only that kind of view of the people the kind of people that are deploying um but a i guess a good example there's a company in in germany that are using Globe to power a Dart backend that lets you into uh, in-person events. It has like a ticket system at a, a barrier of gates that lets you into, say, a venue. And the ticketing system there on the, the barrier is all powered by a Dart backend that's running on Globe in, in, in Germany, for example. So is that an API server in that case? It is, yeah, exactly. Okay. And for, the, for anyone in the audience that may be isn't familiar with that terminology. An API server just means a server that receives a, maybe RESTful requests, maybe other types of requests, but it's not serving the visual aspects of the web page. It's just some other web page is hosted somewhere else, which sends requests to this one server 
and the server does things on behalf of whatever website is requesting it. I will say I tried, so I, I host, you know, my marketing pages are all rendered with Flutter. And, you know, we're told not to do that, but I've been a big proponent that Flutter should be useful for marketing pages too. So I've kind of forced that by actually rendering my pages with Flutter. And I was in part of the way that I do that is that I have, I run a Dart backend on GCP. And in that Dart backend, I use Shelf as the underlying server. And I have Markdown files as well as some other other local types of files that I then read in the server. And that determines, for example, what the HTML headers are. So one of the things about, if you're going to build web pages without using kind of traditional approaches, one of the issues is when you share the URL on social media, how does it know what the title should be? How does it know what the preview image should be? And so the way I solve that from a Flutter perspective is that on my in my Dart backend, the server reads the markdown files, it reads a JSON manifest, and that's how it decides what headers to serve up for a given URL. Now, I was really hopeful that I could do that with Globe because G- you know, deploying to GCP is, is kind of super overkill for what I'm doing. Uh, I will say though, unfortunately, at the moment, I don't think you guys have support for accessing a local file system which maybe for larger enterprise stuff makes sense. But of course, for smaller stuff, many of us, I think, begin with the local file system as a, as a kind of de facto database, so to speak. So at the moment, I haven't been able to use Globe for that purpose, but I'm hopeful that you guys might add file system support and then I can get off of GCP and, and have an easier path to deployment. Yeah, that's something we're working on. Like, I, w- I would say we have file system support, but it's it's uh, ephemeral or whatever the terminology is. It's it's in memory. Um, it's not persisted. So if someone calls it from Germany and another instance is triggered from the states, then you know that 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 file system isn't shared. Um, and it, and if the instance is restarted, spooled up, scaled up, you know the the, the file system is different on each one. So. You can't rely on it in that respect for storage, um, but we are kind of figuring out kind of solutions around that problem. Um, and one kind of solution we're kind of, we're thinking through at the moment is, you know, assets at build time are available on that memory file system through a Dart IO override that that happens in the background, so you don't see it. So you can access these files at build time. But internally, it proxies to a CDN, for example. So, so in that respect, you have a persisted read-only file system, uh, and that's the phase we are at currently. We don't have a persisted writable file system that's globally accessible. We have yeah, ideas for that, but it's still early. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the problem I ran into, but I'm not even sure that I was able to act. I'm not even sure I was able to read from the file system. Because my backend, once I deploy it, I don't believe I ever mutate the files. I just need to read them so that I can figure out what's in my manifest to serve back to the caller. But I don't think I don't think that was working either. Yeah, but anyway, yeah that, that, that would be solved by this first read-only file system approach that we're talking about, which is coming soon. 
Okay. Okay. So build time. That was already there, but you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a memory file system, but it doesn't include any of your assets built during the build process of your application. Okay. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Whenever you guys, just a second, right? Whenever you guys think that, um, that you do support enough to do what I described, you know, feel free to let me know and I'll give it another try. But with that, Ray, go ahead. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for joining. So I'm just, I'm just learning about uh, Dart on the server today. Um, I, I don't know too much about uh, running Dart on servers. Um, I do have, um, I just started looking at, and I do have some experience at Codelessly. Um, so we actually run Dart on the server, uh, but I'm not, um, I'm not the person who set that up. So I don't have very much experience there. Uh, a lot of uh, what we're discussing, what you and um, Mike were discussing uh, was a bit um, confusing to me. Um, and I feel like I don't have a good you know, basis for understanding. Um, so I shared in the pinned tweet box uh, what Globe does. And I took the section from uh, the homepage of globe.dev, um, and it says Globe aims to solve these problems by providing a simple, to, uh, easy to use deployment platform for Dart developers. Uh, would you mind uh, helping me understand the problems that Globe solves uh, versus, like, for a you know, for a regular developer, for me, you know, who's uh, who builds Flutter apps. Uh, who does Flutter, um, and now if I'm looking to uh, host a function, say, in Firebase Functions, uh, what does how does Globe fit into all of this? That's where I'm confused. Yeah, sure. Um, so Globe allows you as a developer to not know anything about, you know, deploying a product. You don't need to know anything about Docker, infrastructure, scaling your app, uh, CDNs, these kind of, uh, I'd say, DevOpsy type backend terminologies and, and infrastructure things. With Globe, you have two ways to deploy a, a Dart application. You just create your Dart application as you would normally in your IDE, run a single CLI command, or hook it up to a GitHub trigger, and it will all automatically deploy. And that's it. That's all you need to do. Like, you don't need to go on, say, um, I mean, you don't need to be aware of Google Cloud run, for example, building a Docker image and then having a Cloud run instance on three different regions because you want, you know, reduced latency across your users around the world. You, know, you don't need to worry about, okay, I need a, um, a KV store or a CDN or I need to add a domain and get a static IP. You don't need to know any of this. And, and that's the goal of, of Globe is tailoring towards, I, I guess, Flutter developers, really. Like, I'd say from our, from our feedback, the average Flutter developer isn't familiar with these concepts. And so we're trying to reduce the, the, the knowledge gap or the knowledge required to build um, a Dart backend application coming from, say, Flutter. Oh, that's that's great. I think I've identified the gap 
of where where I'm at and where Globe is at. I have identified the gap between um, uh, these ideas. And it's when you said Globe is for running and deploying uh, Dart applications. So the distinction here is that there are Flutter applications. So when you build a Flutter app, it depends on uh, the Flutter package, right? Uh, However, you can also, I just learned this today, <laughs> you can also build Dart-only apps that don't use Flutter, that don't use Material UI. Exactly, yes. Exactly, and I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't, as a Flutter developer, like for five years, I didn't know that you could own, you could run, you could build only Dart applications. So for me, that's the gap, perhaps, in understanding. And I haven't seen it discussed too much um, of Dart only applications or Dart server applications. Um, so maybe that's the background that I lack. Um, I don't know if anyone else, maybe everyone else on here uh, do have, you know, a lot more knowledge there, but, or is it still a bit, it feels like it's still like the early days. Um, wh what do you say about that? I I would say, yeah, you're right. It, and it's something where we're working on. So, you know, yeah, we're building a product, but I think a big part of our work that we're doing we've got a bunch of educational materials in-depth tutorials that are simple but you know cover a lot of topics to to upskill a say a flutter developer to building a dart backend uh, app um so yeah we're working on a bunch of um documentation video tutorials samples real world examples of um, back-end services and how you would build them coming from, say, a Flutter background with no no knowledge of these kind of tools. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess the second part of that is we're also trying to grow the Dart back-end ecosystem. So we're building tooling like database connectors and, and um, potential Dart web-based framework type things, these kind of things to can be run on any platform, but the goal is, you know, let's grow the Dart backend, not just Globe users. Yeah, that's great. And because like otherwise for me as a Flutter developer, if it, it, all the benefits you list on Globe.dev, it literally doesn't make sense to me as a Flutter developer. Uh, but the moment you have a little bit of back uh, backend knowledge um, and server knowledge, like all of the benefits, like zero management of servers, networking and scaling, that immediately is impactful in a value statement because if you deal with, you know, Google Cloud, um, <laughs> you do run into these problems, which Globe, um, you, you, you all are solving. So that is a very useful frame. Um, and I'm glad to hear about the upcoming uh, knowledge and resources. I want to remind everyone in the audience that everyone is welcome up on stage. We had Balmuk up here for a second, and then he disappeared from the stage. Uh, so I also see Marco's here. Welcome, Marco and Chima. Welcome, Chima. Dylan uh, works on Celeste. Just so you know, you're welcome to come up on stage anytime if you'd like to talk about what you're building and why and where you see your product fitting into the overall ecosystem. Uh, and again, of course, everyone here is welcome up on, on stage. 
With regard to Dart running applications, uh, that history of Dart far outpaces the history of Flutter. Uh, I believe Dart has always been executable as a as a command line app. In fact, every time that you say something like Flutter run or Flutter pub git, those commands are actually running a CLI app that's written in Dart. So inside of, of the Flutter SDK or Flutter repo, there is a piece of it, which is the Flutter tool. And that is a Dart command line app, which is compiled on your machine, uh, probably whenever the Flutter version on your machine changes. Uh, let me add, let me bring Dylan up on stage. Dylan, welcome. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for having me and hosting this. And um, yeah, really excited to be here and talk about, you know, Celeste and Dart on the back end. Great. Yeah, why don't we start with what Celeste is at a high level and what you're hoping to accomplish with it? Yeah, um, I don't want to repeat too much of what Globe said, because I think we have very similar missions in that, you know, the Flutter ecosystem is uh, very rich and vibrant and um, really fun to work in, right? And, and developers want to build like these cross-platform applications. And I think Flutter shines above all the competition in that regard. The problem uh, that, that I see is that, you know, when developers go to, to build the backend, it requires so much extra tooling and knowledge that is very perpendicular to the Flutter experience. And if there was only a way to do all of that in Dart, you know, using very much the same patterns and, and concepts that you know and love from Flutter, then um, I think it'd be a, a much nicer experience for, for developers of all shapes and sizes who don't want to worry about all the complexities and nuances of, uh, you know, building backends. Yeah, for, yeah, certainly uh, the backend development just has so many concepts that aren't relevant to front-end application development. Where do you see, so right at the moment, and there might be some overlap here, I'm sure there is, but right now we have a we have Shelf as a long-standing Dart package where you can kind of just go in and start responding to HTTP requests. We have Dart Frog from VGV. We just heard a bit about Globe as a deployment system. We have uh, Server Pod. I think I invited Victor, but who knows what he's up to right now. I'm not sure what time it is for him, so he's not here at the moment. But uh, where do you see Celeste fitting into this ecosystem? And what are, what are let's say, the top one or two or three pain points that you're hoping Celeste can help address? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's hard for me to say exactly uh how Celeste compares to these. And, and to answer that, I would just simply say like, you know, Celeste is available to try even today. So I would encourage people to just check it out, download it from Celeste.dev and, and just see for yourself kind of if it, you know, solves things in uh, a way that, that you like. But, you know, the pain points that I currently see are, uh, and I think I've, you know, I've taken a lot of inspiration as well from uh, the existing solutions is like hot reload, right? It's like the, the best hallmark feature of Flutter, like that I feel like should be on the back end regardless. Um, and infrastructure as code. So this is kind of a, a, an interesting piece, but as your infrastructure and, and the complexity of your backend grows, right? Um, I think typical solutions require that you interact with like a, a development console, a web console or portal of some sort to, in order to configure and make, you know, changes accordingly. And so our philosophy is just to put everything in Dart. So there's nothing that isn't in, in your code base right alongside your Flutter app, right alongside your backend. 
uh, it, it's all just right there for you. And, and that I think helps when it comes to, you know, working on teams where you want to see these changes in a PR, for example, and you want to make comments and iterate, and you can uh, kind of have that Git history of everything that's been updated. And, um, you know, I think the third is that, you know, we're, we're very opinionated. So if there's one thing that sets us apart or just makes us different is that, you know, we take an opinion on a lot of the, the features that we offer. So for example, like we don't expose like HTTP concepts at all. There's no like uh, headers, there's no response codes, you know, that are exposed to the developer to tinker with. So it's just, you're just writing like top level Dart functions that take inputs and outputs. And then it's kind of wrapped up in a nice way that you don't need to think about that. And we kind of have a, a specification that we follow so that at least, um, you know, if, if you were to want to interact with uh, your Celeste backend outside of the Dart client that we generate for you, then, um, you know, you, you have expectations on how to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think those are kind of the three points that, uh, that we take to heart the most. So you mentioned hot reload on the back end. Obviously, a major productivity feature for Flutter. Everyone's very familiar with it in the Flutter world. However, I'm not sure it's obvious what hot reload really means on the back end. A back end obviously typically has some number of databases that are related to it. Uh, it might be it might interact with third party services. So, in terms of when and what is hot reloaded, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? What triggers this thing called a hot reload on the back end, and what all is reloaded? For example. If, if you're running a database and something in the database changes, does that impact this concept of reload? Or is it just when the dark code changes, just the dark code has a hot swap in the running server? Yeah, so, um, so currently when you download the Celeste CLI and you set up a project, you run Celeste start. And what that does is it sets up a file watcher that is very similar to Flutter Run, where if you save a file and your Dart code changes, then that is instantly, you know, available to, uh, you know, for example, if you have your Celeste backend running and then you've got your Flutter app running and talking to that, then you'll be able to interact with that updated backend using your Flutter app. So that's what we mean by hot reload is that there is a file watcher that's very similar to Flutter Run. Um, in terms of database, yeah. So currently Celeste doesn't have a data offering. We just have like the functions and API category. But when we do have a database, I think how it translates to that is that, you know, you could imagine that you're, you have your schema described in Dart as just like Dart classes. If you want to make a change to that, then you would simply change the, you know, schema right then and there and hit save. And again, like it would kind of be hot reloaded for you. Um, so did that answer your question? I think so. So for, first you described what sounds like server code hot swapping. So you write, you change your dark code, you save it, triggers a file watcher, and then that is in some fashion that's going to recompile your the, the newest dark code that you've altered and then replace the code running in the CLI server essentially with your new code. Um, and you mentioned a, a future where when you support databases, if the database schema changes, if a migration takes place, then you'll automatically detect that and adjust to it as well. Is that right? Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. And I, I, I know you guys are very early in your development process, but at this point, do you have any, uh, do you have any noteworthy apps or companies or users that are deploying 
with Celeste? And if so, can you describe the nature of what those are? You know, is it is it API servers like we we heard from Globe, or is it um, maybe it's a full application that's that's not just an API, but also serving up a Flutter UI? What kind of things are people currently deploying with Celeste? Yeah, good question. Uh, so last Friday, we actually opened up, uh, we did our first launch of Celeste Cloud, and we had a handful of early birds that were, you know, able to onboard to that. Um, so we haven't uh, had like full production apps running in Celeste yet, but what, and maybe just to try to answer this a different way, like what we've seen so far from like uh, talking with customers and, you know, getting people on the early bird program was that we see a lot of consultants interested in this who are building you know, numerous Flutter applications for their clients and are very interested in kind of like reducing their context switching and being able to build and deploy backends in a much more seamless fashion where they can kind of focus on what is ultimately providing them the most business value, which is the Flutter app and the design and all of that, and not have to worry so much about, um, you know, this middleware layer of the API server. And so, yeah, that's currently where Celeste is, um, is able to be used right now. And then we have, you know, upcoming auth and data solutions as well to try and round out the offering. So I'm curious if, if, if Celeste is being used as a backend for Flutter apps, but there's no database integrations, what kind of things are those apps doing with the backend? Because in my experience, almost, you know, from, from most basic applications, most of what they do at the backend is CRUD operations, which are essentially glorified database operations. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so we see a lot of people using, uh, you know, like Supabase and Firebase. Um, Supabase in particular has a Dart SDK, which can be used on the back end, um, which makes it nice. I think Firebase has like an unofficial one, or I, I'm not 100% sure, but at least like the customers we've talked to so far are using primarily Supabase for their back end. And um, that integrates already pretty well because it has that, that pure Dart SDK like we were talking about earlier. Uh, I was going to add on the Firebase SDK side, there is now a supported Firebase admin SDK for Dart backends. It's it's currently on the Invertase org um, on GitHub, but but yeah, it is it is fully supported. It's great to know. Okay, so oh wait um, wait sorry. Uh, Firebase, uh, so Mike, you said Firebase admin SDK written in Dart for Dart? Exactly, yes. Okay. Uh, the reason that's of note for me is right now, if you want to use Firebase admin functions, uh, well, you can't on Dart. So instead, uh, the solution that I've been using is using a privileged user. So essentially a super user concept, uh, log in with email and password through fire dart. And then that lets us, um, execute, uh, admin functions, but that's obviously not a replacement for the Firebase, uh, admin SDK. So is that available now to like anyone can use it? So I can yeah. migrate to it now. Yeah. I've, I've shared a link on the thread. Um, but yeah, it's um, like Auth and Firestore and messaging, all fully supported. Um, so you can do all the privileged Auth kind of methods, same with Firestore. 
you oh, can send out messages. Um, it's, it's it's being built by Remy, who everyone I suppose knows. Um, he works at Invitase, and yeah, he's he's looking after that. Uh, thanks for sharing. Ray, do you want to toss that up in the tweet box? Uh, already there. <laughs> oh, Ahead of it? you on that, Matt. Okay, I guess for me it hasn't updated yet. One, one of these days, oh, there it is. One of these days I'll have to figure out how to use that tweet box. I, I still haven't figured out how to get things in there. So, um, Okay, so uh, now I guess, Dylan, just to cap off that discussion, uh, you mentioned Superbase and Firebase, both with Dart uh, SDKs. Is the idea there then that Celeste is kind of like this operator that is uh, is rerouting signals so that a Celeste endpoint is hit, it runs dark code, maybe your dark code does a little uh, processing of the incoming data and then it would call out to the, let's just say, Supabase dark SDK from there? Yeah, at the moment we're seeing a lot of success with that model. Um... You know, even just considering like we have an example in our repo for like OpenAI, where you've got an API key that you want to guard very closely, right? And it would be, um, you know, against security mindedness to put it in your app. So, if, you know, you can create a Celeste function and a few lines of code, bring in the OpenAI SDK and embed your, uh, you know, ENV variable uh, securely that, you know, in your backend, and then that gets injected into your Dart application. So that's kind of like operating as a middleware layer, like you described, yeah. Okay, got it. All right, I'd like to remind everyone in the audience that anyone is welcome up on stage and you have a good opportunity right now to ask questions both of the GLOBE team and the Celeste team, so to speak. So if you would like to ask any questions or make any comments, feel free to come up on stage. And Ray, did you have any further follow-up on your end? Oh uh, yeah, since I've got both uh, Mike and Dylan here, one big question and one thing I've actually investigated a ton is running Flutter in the server. Uh, so right now the conversation is only about running Dart in the server. Uh, we have Shelf and you can set up a Google Cloud run um, and you can deploy Dart even to uh, Cloudflare. Uh, so Cloudflare, they support uh, Dart um, you can use that as a target language. So it's primarily just Dart. However, um, the power of Flutter is UI. It's painting pixels, it's generating visuals and images. And Flutter has a lot of like UI power and also graphics you know, processing power. So if, it's, if we're only talking about Dart and we're not running, running Flutter in the server, then we miss out on a big part of the graphics capabilities and the compute capabilities. Uh, are there any efforts or are, is there any, like have any of you looked into running a Flutter app or perhaps integrating uh, the UI processing power that Flutter offers um, into these Dart server applications? Um, it's not something we've looked at directly, um, but there is initiatives out there like uh, remote Flutter widgets. I've shared a link on the thread again. Um, yeah, there's some experiments out there for doing that, but I'd say it's 
A, it's very early, and also I think B, the the use cases aren't quite clear. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure on the development effort going into it. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Uh, Dylan, do you have any thoughts here, or have you ever looked into this? Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting problem. I think um, it kind of ties into like the code push discussion somewhat. Um, it ties into like this idea of like server side rendered Flutter. Um, I think like actually doing the rendering on the server creates the the issue of well, I mean, it depends what we're talking about, right? Because if we're if we're just like composing the widget tree on the server and then sending the widget tree to the to the phone or, or uh, device, then you know I think that's kind of like what the remote Flutter widget project is is trying to do. Um, if we were talking about actually running the the rendering code on the server, I think that um, you know just due to latency, it it probably isn't the right approach. But I would also just be very curious, kind of what the uh, yeah what the underlying like use case or requirement is that is driving that. So I I'll jump in here for a moment because there there's some history at the Flutter bounty hunters that kind of overlaps this. At the Flutter bounty hunters, we had a funding client for a little while who. Their product involved the configuration of animations. So you kind of put together that it might, might have been an explainer video or something like that, but it was all animated with Flutter. And the web UI that was used to configure the animation was Flutter. So it was all Dart, all Flutter. And they said, now what we want is the ability to take that animation, which plays back in real time in the browser using Flutter code. We want a video of that. So essentially, we want to render all those frames to video. Uh, and I brought Simon Lightfoot in as, as a specialist. He's a specialist at the Flutter Bounty Hunters. And we actually prototyped that ability. We, we, had, uh, we were using accessing some engine APIs from Flutter combined with FFmpeg. And we were actually uh, sending Flutter frames over through FFmpeg and encoding it as video. That's one example of a use case. Now that funding client, they eventually kind of just disappeared and I, I didn't hear from them again. So that prototype remained a prototype. But I will say for anyone out there who, if your team has a similar use case, whether it's video or whether you want to just render individual screenshots with Flutter, we'd love to pick that project back up. So if anybody would like to offer a little bit of funding for that, or uh, also if you're a kind of a lower level developer, someone who works in C code, C++, you, you can kind of understand what the Flutter engine is doing and what FFmpeg is doing, I'd be happy to bring you in on that project as well, should we be able to get some additional funding. Uh, but in addition to video, there's also, again, the concept of screenshots, which you can technically accomplish by uh, using... I mean, uh, you can access render objects and you can essentially get a screenshot out of it. It's kind of janky. It's very slow. But think about, for example, uh, all the times that people post generated screenshots of code samples. That's, that happens a lot on Twitter and other social media. I've always just wanted to build a Flutter renderer for that same thing. So you can create your Flutter code examples and literally render the screenshot of that code sample using a Flutter renderer running on the server. That's another kind of example of the same thing. Have you um, ever, um, 
Oh, so sorry. Have you ever yeah. spoken with Casey Rogers about this? Uh, I don't think so. I was talking with him uh, a few days ago, and he brought up this exact thing because for his, uh, you know, app showcase in the App Store on iOS, you know, he was running into all these difficulties with all the SaaS products out there that supposedly, you know, solved this solution. And he's like, I wish I could just use Flutter's 3D renderer because he wanted the 3D perspective on it. Um, so, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think you guys could, you know, talk a lot about that more than I could. Yeah, maybe I'll reach out to him. Uh, it's 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 a bit out of out of scope for just generic uh, Dart on the server side, but there are some use cases there. And again, I'll just repeat: if, if any teams, any companies out there would like to see that capability offered as open source, check out FlutterBountyHunters.com or reach out to me, and we can pick that project up where we left off. And if if anyone has kind of that low level C knowledge, I'd be happy to work you into that project too. Um, with that, Balmic. Uh, is on the stage. Bamak, would you like to ask any questions or make any comments? Uh, yeah, so actually I heard about uh, serverless functions in Dart. Uh, now I have, uh, like, I'm curious about the backend thing because when we think about backend, we just don't want to, you know, like uh, run a piece of code and, you know, get the output from that function. Uh, like there are many things involved. Like if suppose I want to support states there, so we sometimes need queues, we sometimes need... Uh, like notifiers uh, between those services. Uh, and when we have a lot of services, we sometimes also need infrastructure to manage those uh, services together. I work with AWS Lambda. Uh, so from that, I'm, from that experience, I'm telling. And uh, there are some more things that uh, we might require, like uh, giving static uh, IP uh, to your function or uh, supporting web sockets. So uh, like how, how are we going in these things? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I worked at AWS before doing this. Um, I think the the serverless mentality and this kind of like event driven orchestration pattern where, you know, events trigger these workflows where there's queues and, uh, you know, you're listening for changes on WebSockets is, is a really nice way to think about infrastructure. Um, you know, currently at Celeste, we're uh, focused on, you know, the, our, our core primitives, which we hope we can build off of to create kind of that same experience in a really nice Darty way. Um, I would encourage you, you know, if, if you're using Celeste to, to just, you know, drop us a comment in GitHub issues so we can chat about it. But um, yeah, definitely interested to hear more. And I think there's also a question from Marco. So Marco said he's got no mic today. So sorry, Marco, that we can't have you up on stage live. But Marco was curious, and this will be this can be a question uh, both Dylan for you with Celeste and also Mike for Globe. We'll start with Dylan, then we'll go to Mike. But Marco was curious uh, as to whether or not you have plans or what kind of plans you have for future offline database support. For yeah, for Celeste, um, you know, it's a top of mind priority for us. I think that. You know, that's one of the use cases we've identified that hasn't been fully addressed yet in the ecosystem. And I think that's something that we can really, uh, you know, help contribute to. So, yeah, when Celeste releases its data solution, it, it will be, you know, fully offline first, uh, you know, provision database for you. Absolutely. Okay, great. And, uh, and Mike, I don't know how much or to what extent you guys have looked into your future data support. Do you have any thoughts or any plans for offline database support, or is that too far into the future? 
Um, I'd say it's probably too too far in the future. We have kind of experimented, um, but I think our goal is to support providers of these databases rather than implement our own database. Um, so Globe can support anything. So a, a good example would be, I don't know if you've heard of um, Terso. Um, it's like a, a, a distributed SQLite hosted service but can also have a synced uh, offline app in your uh, offline instance in your Flutter app. Um, that, that's a kind of example of the, the types of providers and services we will just support out the box with like built-in integrations. Um, I can paste What was the name of that again? Oh, uh, what was the name of that? Terso, T-U-R-S-O dot tech is the domain. And I, I pasted a link to one of the examples of the Flutter app here. Um, and yeah, it's pr pretty powerful stuff. It's like an embedded SQLite database, but it, it also is hosted as well. So you can have your Flutter app sync from your your live database, work offline, resync when it's back on, these kind of things. All right. Well, thanks for for telling us about your future plans there. So Marco, hopefully that answered your question. For those of you, by the way, who can't speak, uh, feel free to post questions in the chat and we'll try to get to those. But for those of you who can speak and would like to speak, feel free to request access. Just press the mic button and we'll bring you up on stage. Balmik, uh, did you have any other questions that you'd like to bring up while you're on stage? Uh, yeah, so I mean, like here we we talked about you know like serverless functions uh, and all. Uh, like, is there a way I can support a monolith in Dart, like on any of these services? Are you are you saying like you have written a a Dart monolith or you're aspiring to or? Um... Yeah, like if if I like, is there a way I can structure uh, like not only just in form of functions, you know, like uh, a whole uh, a whole backend, you know, like a monolith. I think, uh, Mike, I'll let you take that one. I think Globe's probably the better solution in that case, um, just in how yeah. you would think about it. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I guess you know the the base of a monolith would be you know structuring your repository in a way that it, it it works for you so like multiple packages that kind of thing and if you're, you're not sure if you're familiar with the the monorepo tooling in uh the data ecosystem but uh we've built or invitees have built melos which is basically the, the go-to monorepo tooling in the data and flutter ecosystem and then on top of that globe then supports integrations with Melos, so you can have a, a, a monolith repo, if I'm understanding uh, your question, where you can split up your services um, and deploy individual services in, the, in that in that repository. Um, and then future plans we have is where you could, you know, kind of like batch update a bunch of services that are, you know, interlinked via like service bindings. That's kind of something we've been investigating as well for Globe. I've shared a link to to the the Mono Reaper tooling. Um, if it's interesting to you, um, it's, it's called Melos. 
Can we clarify what's meant by a monolith? Because there's monorepo, which is the structure of a project. Monolith typically refer, at least my understanding, typically refers to a server-side application with a single entry point that includes all possible execution paths. Bomit, can you describe what it is you mean when you ask about monoliths? Uh, so basically, we had, uh, you know, like a lot of uh, like Lambda functions where we write, you know, different codes and then we have API gateway. I'm talking in terms of AWS. And then uh, sometimes you you have a, you know, single backend, you know, like, uh, as you said, like the single entry point and you have all the functions and everything together, you know, in at one place and they all, uh, you know, like have... I would say it's kind of a stateful approach of uh, opposing things. So, like recently, as uh, uh, like uh, uh, AW, like AWS Prime, like they migrated from microservice to monolith because of uh, this uh, communication problem between services. Yeah, I would say one of uh, Celeste's uh, little secrets is that it actually is deployed as a monolith. It's just that you interact with it and you declare it and describe it as if it were independent services. And so we're trying to hit the best of both worlds there where you can think about this as like a deconstructed application and think just about like the code paths connecting all the dots. But when it's actually deployed, you don't suffer any of the latency and um, you know, communication issues that a typical uh, you know, microservice architecture would give you. So can I persist the state between uh, two API calls like without using something externally? Right. So um, <laughs> ideally, we're going for the path of no. And I'd be curious to understand maybe like what uh, some of those use cases are that we may be uh, missing out on. Balmik, um, you still there? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I I can't recall anything right now, but uh, uh, sometimes you, uh, like if suppose a user uh, requests for OTP that has expiry of 10 minutes, in, in some of these cases, uh, you might, uh, like, you know, you might require your, uh, like, present API call to be dependent upon the last call that you had, and you don't want to make a DB call or something. If Celeste offered a way to make a DB call that was just kind of as if you were interacting with global state, would that, you think, uh, resolve that for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, in this case, yeah, it will. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing. And yeah, um, you know, as, as we go, as Celeste develops, if you find yourself using it and we, you find that we're not hitting all your use cases, please, uh, you know, reach out to me. Like, I, I think if, if you want to support rate limiting for a particular user, right? So you need it, to record e each API call into your DB, right? And then each time you get an API call, you need to check, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah, so... Um... You know, and our philosophy on that too is like, if there's these patterns of behavior that we see a lot of developers implementing consistently by hand, like rate limiting, then perhaps we should just expose it out of the box. You know, you provide a few configuration values to that, but behind the scenes, we're actually doing all of that for you.
All right. Anybody else in the audience, would you like to come up and ask any questions? Or if you have questions that you don't want to say out loud, you can post them in the chat. I think uh, if we start kind of running low on questions, we'll slowly begin to wrap things up. Uh, so now would be a great time to get those questions in there if you'd like to ask anything of the GLOBE team or the Celeste team. Well, I guess one somewhat off-topic question that I would have, Dylan, for you is you guys are in YC right now, right? Have you went through YC? We're in the middle of it, yeah. So, I mean, so YC is well-known among the world of startups. It's kind of uh, the pinnacle of accelerators. What has it been like for you guys going through YC? Has it been what you expected? Do you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of it? What it just what for us mere mortals that will never end up at YC? What what what's the experience like for you? <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's been incredible. Probably one of the you know, I mean, the single greatest experience of my life. I mean, um, and I mean, I I'm not. Uh, I don't want to be private about it. Like if you guys have like any, anyone in this chat, if you have specific questions about YC and like some of the things that we've learned, I mean, there's been so much. So, you know, I, part of, you know, this experience for me is about like giving it forward now and, and you know, passing on that wisdom, because I think it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really incredible to have access to that. And, you know, I don't think it should be locked up for, you know, just a few people to, to have access to. So, I mean, I, I could go in so many different directions. I don't want to like just, you know, spew, but yeah, I'm happy to answer any specific questions on it. Maybe you could just walk us through the high level process of what it means to, to go through YC. Cause there's, I mean, on the one hand, I imagine that you're getting some advice from the staff about what to do from a startup perspective, but I would assume also there's, they're trying to help you get funded. What are some of the activities that are taking place over time at YC? Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, the total time commitment for YC is probably like 10 hours a week or less. And so that's typically divided between like office hours with our group partners, where we sit down one-on-one -on -one with them and discuss kind of the week's challenges and you know the path forward and then we have like group office hours where we sit down not only with our group partners but then also like six or seven other companies and um you know set two week goals we uh, talk about challenges there and, and we try to help each other out and then they you know there are panels and events that yc will host where we get to hear from you know previous founders that have gone through yc um you know the other night it was like post hog airbyte um and and a couple others um, we, we heard from Paul Graham last night as well, who was, you know, the founder of YC. Um, and so, the, you know, they try to round out like the, the, the wisdom and knowledge that we hear from as many different sources as possible, because ultimately there are so many different flavors of companies that go through YC and it's hard to give, you know, very generic advice, right? So they, they try to, to, men, to, to, to group us up into sections of, of like-minded and like focused companies where we can really help each other. So I'd say like, the primary benefit of going through YC is that you get to, you know, be surrounded by people who are kind of going through the same struggles as you and you get to share advice and, 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 you know, be part of that mentorship community um, alongside just hearing from, you know, the legends and Titans of business themselves about your specific challenges. Um, 
And then the rest of the time, it's really just like a pressure cooker. It's like, what can, you know, how much can you do in, in a short period of time? And, uh, you know, how much can you, how quickly can you either validate or invalidate the idea that you're working on? Got it. Well, again, if anyone in the audience has any specific questions about YC, now's your chance to get those answered. Uh, and I see, I see Cillian jumped in here. So uh, let me point out that Superlist reached their 1.0 release. They've gone fully stable, fully public. So congratulations to Superlist on that. Not directly on topic here in terms of uh, server-side Dart, but Superlist is a very high-quality UX-designed productivity application built in Flutter. Uh, and and they've, they're also the primary funder of the Flutter Bounty Hunter development for Super Editor and Super Reader and Super Text Field. All, all these things we built around document editing and document viewing and text layout, they've been the primary funder there. So they've made that all possible for the Flutter community. So again, congratulations to them on their 1.0 release. It's a, it's a big hurdle and it's years in the making. Um, so would anybody else in the audience like to come up and, and talk about Dart on the server side? I don't think I've seen any questions pop up in the chat either. So we will, I think we'll start, I guess, Ray, you have, I have a, <laughs> Oh, I was just about to say, I have a lot of questions, uh, but a lot of my questions are, uh, like I said, I just learned today that you can run Dart on the server. So a lot of the questions are just, you know, I'm very confused. Um, a lot of the concepts we're discussing today um, is very confusing to me because I don't have the context. So I, I want to know, I want to, you know, have Mike or Dylan explain to me and provide me uh, like a detailed like landscape of where, you know, uh, the server uh the server um, landscape is like where, 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 um, like what are the current, you know, trends? Uh, what is, what are the current philosophies? Um, how, how does your philosophy, Dylan, uh, with building Celeste uh, defer or if there's something unique, right? I mean, there's obviously something unique about your philosophy, which is why you're building your own company instead of, uh, using an existing solution. So that's what I'm, I, I'd like someone to build that like scaffolding in my mind um, in order to help me understand uh, so a lot of the discussions that we have today and also help me understand uh, the positioning of your products um, in relation to me, who's just a Flutter developer who doesn't have that much backend experience, which is um, a lot of your target audience, I, it, it would seem, um, or maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, Dylan, or uh, yeah, Dylan, do you want to jump in and like talk a little bit about your philosophy with uh, Celeste? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm happy to to try and answer this and, you know, let me know how I do, but um we, we kind of hand wave over this idea of Dart on the server, right? Because I think, you know, the idea is that you shouldn't have to think about it, is that you want to use Dart because you're using Flutter and maybe even just like Dart as a language, and you don't want to context switch into a new environment. So, you know, the idea with Celeste is that just we just take care of it from there, right? Like, 
but if but yeah but it's it's very reasonable to ask the question of like why and what and how and you know i think through the dart team's journey building for flutter and you know optimizing for flutter right they've developed a lot they've developed a really great language that uh is fully capable on the server now and i think you know for a while this hasn't been um you know well marketed and well like advertised by the dart and flutter teams and i'm not too sure why like I, i'm sure they have their reasons but you know we poked and prodded at uh, slava who's one of the you know the vm engineers on the dart team and you know his his statement was basically like you know our, our position is definitely not that dart is not capable on the server like they 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 do empathize with this vision um i think you know where it kind of falls short right now is really just the ecosystem because it is so such a new idea to use dart on the server and because like there aren't that many uh you know tools and companies that are really like pushing for this then what it means is that there's like a lack of packages um, that will kind of extend the capabilities of the Dart language to the services and, you know, the, um, the you know, the, the ecosystems that you care about. So if, like, for example, if, if you are interacting with, you know, OpenAI, right, you're, they have a REST endpoint, they have like, you know, API docs, but unless there's like a nice Dart client, it makes it kind of, you know, a, a hurdle to just use it on in Dart. Um, and so, right, yeah. right. And to jump in here, one division that like already makes me uh, slow down, like my gears and my brain are grind grinding to a halt, is uh, now I have to think about the division between making Flutter apps, writing Flutter code, and then uh, writing Dart-specific code. And I don't know where to draw that line. So I guess that's a stumbling block for me immediately. Um, because you're saying that your vision is you want to essentially eliminate um, that context switching, right? But here already I'm running into this context switch where I have to switch between Flutter and Dart Oni. Um, sorry, that might yeah. be a hard question, no, it, but that I, just jumped I, out <laughs> to me. No, I appreciate you bringing it up. I've, I've heard this before, and I'm starting to understand that it, it actually is a very serious issue that we should tackle. And um, so I brought this up with the Dart team uh, the other day. Um, you know, I, I think I think they're well aware of the issue. And I think for the same reason that like, you know, this is all still very new. It's not something that they've like really taken seriously before. So I think just having like, you know, uh, starting those conversations and the more and more that they hear that it's important, you know, there, there will be work done. Ultimately, I agree though, like this this artificial boundary between Dart and Flutter right, to the best of, you know, our collective ability, like, should be dissolved, because I do think it creates kind of a hurdle to adoption of packages and a hurdle for package authors and maintainers of having to think about this constantly. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, I wish I had a better answer right now, um, but I'll, I'll tell you that I, this is not the first time I've heard about it, and, you know, I'll be doing what I can to, to try and resolve that. I'm curious what this boundary is. Maybe I've been writing Flutter and Dart applications for too long. But I guess in my mind, there's no division there at all. I mean, obviously, you're not going to pump a widget tree on the server if your goal is to handle HTTP requests. So what, where is this seeming chasm between Flutter code and... So you can write Dart code that runs Flutter, or you can write Dart code that runs a server. 
or you can write Dart code that executes command line operations. These are all uses of the Dart language, but they all have very different purposes and they have different standards and practices. So for example, if you want to write a Dart CLI app, you're going to define a main method that receives some arguments. That's the entry point for a, a command line application. You'll probably use the arguments, the args package to parse those arguments because the arguments come in as like a series of strings, but then you, you want to support things like dash flags uh, and other parameters that aren't necessarily tagged to flags. So there's an argument parser. You run that on the list of strings. It tells you what the arguments are. And then you write Dart code that simply does whatever you want to do as a command line application. Um, in Flutter, you define a main method somewhere, and the very first thing you do is you call run app. Now, run app is a Flutter-specific method that initializes all of Flutter, and then from there, you're just messing with a widget tree. On the server, you define a main method. Oops, sorry, I got some stuff autoplaying here. Um, on the, on the uh, server side, you have a main method, which let's, let's take Shelf as an example. You tell Shelf, hey, I, I care about requests at this URL, this URL, this URL. And then for each one of those, you tell Shelf what you want to return. So it's all dark code. It all begins with main methods. But everything that you do in that main method is very different depending on whether you're running Flutter or running a CLI app or running the server. So Ray, can you help us understand where you feel like there's a division there and where you start to lose track of what's what? Yeah, yeah. So at Codelessly, uh, we do ha use uh, Dart Shelf um, and deploy it to Google Cloud Run, uh, and we use it quite extensively too. Um, and I'm just, you know, learning more about it today. Uh, so I took a look at our code, um, Dart Shelf code, and it's completely different from our Flutter code. Uh, so the main method you were talking about, you define the list of URLs, and then there's additional concepts that are very server-specific. Um, so you have, yes, we are writing the same in the same language, Dart, but the concepts is completely different, and it's also a separate repository. Uh, so it's in a separate, like completely separate, you know, repo from our main code, and it doesn't connect at all with our main Flutter app. So as an app developer, um, like one reason Firebase is so uh, appealing is because while I'm writing my Flutter app, I'm also writing the backend um, app, uh, the backend code um, to do database, you know, and network calls and things like that. Of course, what's missing with Firebase is the middleware state management layer um, so you have to run your own integration um, to integrate with uh, the backend. And what uh, Dylan with Celeste is somewhat describing, and what I've seen from your SDK code, is you're actually taking over a little bit of the middleware, uh, especially with uh, what you shared with your uh, auth, right? So with your auth, um, you want to make auth very simple. You want to make it a single line. And right now, uh, to do Firebase auth, what we do is we have an entire Firebase auth services file that's very complex. Um, so that's the middleware in order to work with the backend. Um, but it seems like there is like 
that that's that's the gap. Um, that would be the gap where, okay, there's all the, these back end things like offline sync, um, real time. Uh, persistence, etc., multiplayer, things like that, all these back-end services. And then to integrate it, um, I have to go and do some like back-end programming in TypeScript. <laughs> so uh, was I able to describe that gap, um, or is that still a bit unclear? I think what I heard there was mostly that you would, you would like to define your back-end code at the same time that you're writing your Flutter code, and you would essentially like to establish backend behaviors based on what's happening in your Flutter UI. Is that right? Um, that's a part of it. Um, to give a more concrete example, and to talk about like the philosophy um, of like databases, right? So if you uh, use SQLite, um, and you define your SQLite. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into defining the SQLite data structure, and you have to do it also on your uh, client as you're building, you know, your client code. So you would be doing the backend work while you're building the client, but that whole philosophy is st still uh, somewhat. It feels very. Um, bad and it feels like there's a gap you have to define the client sql and then you have to match it with the backend sql oftentimes by copy and pasting the code from the client to the backend uh, so that i guess gives a concrete example um sqlite the current sqlite implementation you copy the schema from client to the backend i okay so i think so there's the part where you're writing UI code and you just want to be able to shove data onto the server. And so you mentioned Firebase. So I, I assume what you mean by that is that you are, you are putting arbitrary data into Firebase from your app. So your app determines the schema of the backend. But you also mentioned that SQL databases, you're copying the schema from front end to back end. I think that both of these are examples of issues that you might have in a startup, but that's not going to be in. So start maybe startup companies, small companies want to operate that way. And that might make sense for some offerings, but it's important to remember the world of enterprise here as well. When we're talking about backends in an enterprise world, it's not one application, one backend. It's a backend with huge domain models surrounded by a number of access services which serve dozens or hundreds of applications. And so in, that, in, in, in a world that's anywhere close to that, it would be totally inappropriate to have one app UI or one app experience dictate, for example, a database schema uh, or to replicate the schemas between the two. So even in a, even in a not even a, mod, like even a relatively small app that's in a space that's somewhat complex, the database, the information stored on the server is going to be much greater than the information stored in the app because the app by definition only needs data that's associated with the user experience, but the server may have any, any amount of volume of infrastructure data. So for example, right now I'm working with a client in the financial tech space. So they are integrating with things like plaid where you connect to broker accounts uh and so the stuff they're accumulating 
on in the server database goes way beyond anything that's ever served to the app. So they're not copying schemas between the app and the server. The server has a very large schema surface area. The application has a very small schema surface area. So I, I hear you on your pain point, but I just, I would point out that that's rather specific. There's kind of one size and scope of development where that match between the client and the server is essentially one-to-one. -one. And then there are many use cases where it's not one-to-one -one and you're, you're not just replicating app stuff on the server. The server really is different. Uh, Bamak has raised his hand. So Bamak, would you like to jump in? Yeah, so uh, I would agree with both of you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have faced the same pain point as Ray. Uh, so basically, sometimes when you, uh, you know, like, you need to also, uh, you know, change the your DB structure based on uh, how many API calls it would require to fetch that data, you know, like, um, like, if suppose I'm, uh, I'm building a expense sharing application, and I'm fetching, you know, like how the transaction has been split among people. So, uh, that is that is how also my uh, you know DB sometimes is uh, normalized or denormalized based on my needs. Yeah, well, so well, two things there. So first, you mentioned that you have similar pain points to Ray. Ray, it seemed like Ray was describing the replication of the same stuff between the front end and the back end. But then you mentioned that you that you sometimes rework your API calls essentially to maybe minimize latency or minimize network traffic. But notice that that optimization right there actually speaks to the other direction, more the direction I was talking about, where I'm pointing out that often the constraints and the limitations and the expectations of the back end is different than the front end. So it's not this constant one-to-one -one thing. You might have one screen in, in your UI that hits three different endpoints. So it's not like it's one screen, one endpoint, or one screen, one record in the database. Those things are decoupled, and you've got to rearrange that coupling based on whatever you're optimizing for, whether you're optimizing, again, for latency or you're optimizing for minimum bandwidth throughput. And so the larger an app gets, the more different the needs of the front end become from the back end. And the reason I point this out is because probably companies, companies that are building services like Globe, like Celeste, like Dartfrog, like ServerPod, their business model almost certainly targets either larger startups or full-on enterprise because that's where the money is. Those are the companies that are making money so they can pay for services. I think the cases where, and there's a real frustration, I get it, like Ray's frustration is real, Bombacure frustration is real, I've, I've lived that too. But I tend to see that in very small, experimental, prototype companies that perhaps haven't even reached revenue and very often haven't reached profitability. So they're more hesitant to purchase these services. And that means these companies are less likely to create this special version of their solution for small apps and small companies. Ray and Balmick, does that make sense to you in terms of why that service might not exist out there? Um, it does make sense why it doesn't exist. I, I would say that a, prime, a bigger reason why it doesn't exist is because the technology has is, hasn't reached that stage yet. Um, so, so there's a really interesting product called Reflect. Um, it's by Rosa Corp. 
uh, and it's uh, one of the uh, people running it is I think Andrew something. Uh, I I forget their name. I, their first name is like Andrew, uh, but they worked on the Chrome team. Uh, they worked on the Chrome team local storage for a large number of years, and they finally left the Chrome team um, because. <laughs> the work they did at the Chrome team got web storage to a good enough place where now they can go and create their own uh, company whose solution is uh, local first, you know, persistence and multiplayer. Um, and they, so, so like, I, I'd say that there's a large reason, a large argument is that the technology doesn't exist. Uh, for example, right now, uh, on mobile, we're still limited to SQLite for persistence, and SQLite is, you know, a structured database, and um, it requires defining your schemas. So that's a technological limitation. Uh, but yes, I do see the market explanation, um, and my counter to that would be that very large apps, uh, pretty much all large enterprise apps, require um, offline persistence. Like Google Sheets, Slack, um, Word, etc. Um, any data forms app that you have contractors, you know, manufacturing companies using using used by agents out in in the field, um, they require like offline persistence capabilities. Uh, but. Uh, uh, it's unfortunate that Dylan had to drop off, uh, but Mike, if you're here, um, I'd love your thoughts on this as well. Um, yeah, it's probably not something we're directly trying to to solve, but I think I agree with you know um, Matt, Matt's point that the, this kind of solution is generally aimed at these these larger larger enterprise uh, businesses. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not something we've directly been looking into. Um, but you know, we are kind of trying to simplify some concepts that can be perhaps shared between Flutter and Dart uh, to some extent, but not to probably the extent that we've been talking about. Uh, so, Dart Globe does it support uh, hosting Flutter web apps? It does, yes. Yeah, I, I saw that as one of the use cases. And there's certain benefits to that, right? You mentioned something about uh, optimizing the service worker and the assets. Yeah, that, that's something we do. We do a couple of things to, to kind of improve the general load performance. So, yeah, we, we, we opt optimize assets through asset hashing, um, and then they're all cached on... Azure network, um, and the, the the good thing about it is that you don't necessarily need a service worker. So, an example, you know, you build your Flutter web app currently with the the local Flutter CLI, and it will create this, you know, massive main .js bundle. Now you try and cache this on your browser; it's cached as main .js, and you've got no you know, strong way without a service worker to to invalidate this. Um, so you can't make use of, you know, client-side caching in that respect. Um, this obviously applies to all assets, images, 
package assets, etc. Um, so what we do, we take these assets and we hash them, uh, generate a unique ID, so to speak, and we rewrite the the Flutter entry point so that it will serve and use hashed assets. So instead of main.dart.js, you have main.dart.sumid, the unique ID to that bundle.js. Um, and then we can then allow things like uh, heavy client-side caching uh, to reduce kind of load on the, the CDN, for example, or your costs um, because, you know, existing users are all pre-cached, those, these kind of things. Um, but but to, to go back to your point, something else that we, we're, we're working on is um, a concept similar to, I guess, Superbase functions, Firebase functions, these kind of things where you can write a bunch of logic alongside your Flutter web app, for example, um, but server-side logic and deploy it all in one go with one command on globe. Um, so you could have some rem remote function uh, as written as a Dart backend um, without the knowledge of Dart backend and seamlessly use it in your Flutter frontend, perhaps through some kind of code generation that works through our CLI uh, to kind of, like I mentioned before, kind of merge the two without crazily merging the two uh, ecosystems. But that, that's kind of to the extent that we're looking at. Yeah, that's where, uh, thanks, thanks, Mike. That's where, like, you could do a bit of, like, m magic, right? Um, and it, 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 like, magic would just be, like, code generation, um, some... Uh, 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 Flutter, Lint, et cetera, where um, to merge the two, like right now what I have is I have the Flutter app and then I have the Firebase functions written in TypeScript in another repository, um, and there's a huge context break there. So just moving those functions into Dart, into the same like folder structure, so you have the Flutter app and then you have another folder and it's the functions, that would already be a step. Uh, like a huge step forward. And then this magic would be, you know, calling these functions if you had some code completion or, you know, some references, some IDE help. So when you're writing uh, like Celeste dot, you know, function dot, um, it would auto-complete and show you, hey, here's, you know, the functions you have. Or it would be like globe dot, you know, auto-complete, and then it would show you the functions you would have. Is is that sort of like... Yeah, yeah it, pretty much like that. I, I'd say imagine it similar to, say, I don't know, Freezed or, or JSON Serializable, where you have this generated code that you import and it's all type-safe and null safe and all that and it knows about the properties and the, uh, what and whatever the, the the same kind of scenario would be happening with these functions on globe where you write some functions in dart the globe cli also generates a binding bit of dart code that you import in your flutter app and it knows all about the named functions the types of parameters they take types of output they give it's all fully typed and you know null safe and all that so it has you know some kind of merged elements there where you don't need to know you know or use a plain string of a function name and hard code in whatever you can just use this generated uh, interface 
Yeah, that would be huge. Um, and you'd save probably quite a bit of duplicated work uh, because one of the biggest issues is uh, with uh, communicating with the backend is that JSON serialization or that mappable, uh, that mapping, right? So if you're able to reuse the, because Dart models, here's, oh, wow, this is like blowing my mind now. And I, I think I'm starting to get it. So thank you so much. Uh, models are Flutter agnostic. They're Dart's, you know, they're, they're Dart uh, code. So they don't require the Flutter uh, SDK. So you could reuse models between your Flutter app and your Dart uh, server functions. Wow. Exactly, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, as you can see, there's quite a bit of education that I, I still need. Um, so thank you for that. All right. Well, I think we've probably reached a good ending point for today. We've heard a lot about Glow. We've heard a lot about Celeste. We've asked a lot of questions about Dart on the server side. Uh, maybe at some point in the future, we'll be able to get someone from VGV to talk about Dart Frog, and maybe Victor can join us to talk about ServerPod. As we close out, Ray, would you like to plug anything? Oh, sure. So we talked a lot about running, you know, Dart on the server. Um, I was looking up and I asked a few questions about a flutter on the server because at Codelessly, uh, one of our uh, our product, the product we're trying to commercialize is called Cloud UI. And that's uh, running um, flutter, uh, flutter UI, essentially remotely. Um, and you can pl right now it's available. You can put the Flutter, uh, the Codelessly SDK into your app, and then you can build a UI in our editor, um, and you can change it. You know, it's dynamic, you can change it, you can plug in variables. So we're gonna bring to market quite a few products there, uh, such as paywalls, um, promos, um, promo inboxes, um, et cetera, at places where you would want you know marketing or sales or the just the ability to change ui after publishing your app okay great and that's at codelessly.com uh yes codelessly.com great or you can find the package in pub.dev uh, by searching codelessly great well my name is matt carroll i'm a former member of the flutter team these days i do open source work and contract work I mentioned earlier, we were talking about rendering Flutter on the server, and I mentioned that at the Flutter Bounty Hunters, we had a prototype for that kind of thing. We are prototyping all sorts of things at the Flutter Bounty Hunters, and based on those prototypes, we bring in companies who then fund us to do the work to productionize them. So if your team would like to stop reinventing the wheel when it comes to Dart and Flutter capabilities, we'd love for you to come over and join funding on some of those projects so that we can all focus on new ideas and new abilities moving forward. Also, if you'd ever like my help on proprietary solutions, you can find me at superdeclarative.com. I offer those proprietary services through that website. So with that, thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks to Mike from Invertase working on Globe. Uh, thanks to Dylan from Celeste. And hopefully we will see all of you again next week.